Amen. Well, thank you, Jeffrey and the team. Um, for those of you who do not know me, my name is Donald Jackson. I am the student minister here at, at Travis Avenue. My wife and I, we uh, just moved to Fort Worth at the beginning of May. I must say, Fort Worth lives up to the hype. It is the greatest city that I have ever lived in, and I've lived in a lot of great places. Uh, the people here are just amazing. The people here at Travis are amazing. Y'all have been very loving, um, gracious, and kind to my wife and I we have, as we have transitioned from South Dallas to Fort Worth, and so thank you for that. Well, if you would have told me that this time last year, if you had told me this time last year that I would be up here preaching here at Travis and, and being a student minister, I probably would have looked at you with a really funny face. If you had told me this time last year that I would, my wife would be pregnant, 12 weeks pregnant, I would look at you with a really, really, really funny face. Um, we all have expectations on how 2020 was supposed to go. And in fact, I would argue that we all have expectations on how every year should go. We all think that at the beginning of the year, we want to have, by the end of the year, we want to have a girlfriend or we want to have a wife or we want to be in a better financial situation than we were a year before. Or we, we want to reconcile some relationships that haven't been reconciled. Or maybe it's even just possibly just growing a relationship with your kids, kids that you don't have a relationship with. We all have expectations. Every single day, we gain more and more expectations, which isn't a bad thing. However, so often, whenever we get expectations in our life, we expect that to happen. And when those things don't come true, when those expectations don't come to light, we, we run to a different thing to find hope in. Now, when I say the word hope, what I am referring to is a feeling or expectation for a certain thing that is about to happen. You see, we, we go on in this cycle of thinking, I'm going to put my expectation in, in getting a wife at the end of, of this year, or however, like, I'm going to find my expectation in growing in a certain area of my life, and yet, when it doesn't pan out, we then run to another thing to find our hope in. Well, in Revelation 21, we see the greatest story, and we see the one true thing that we need to continually run to, and that is the second coming of Jesus Christ. So if you have your Bibles, please open them up, and we'll be in Revelation chapter 21, starting out in verse 1. And it says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Right before this chapter, we see in, in Revelation 20 that John has this vision from God of the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ. It's the place where we will go to, where we will be judged, and that now John is transitioning from the judgment seat into what we call heaven, or what John is saying right here, the new heaven and the new earth. So this new heaven and this new earth, we have to look at it because it says the word new twice, meaning that everything that's going to be in this location, in this place, has nothing to do with the past. We're not going to remember things that happen. Our actions won't be remembered. It's all made brand new except for one thing. Look at verse 1 again with me where it says, Towards the end, and the sea was no more. 
It's very interesting that in this new heaven and in this new earth, the only thing missing is the sea. I'm quite fond of the sea, so I'm not sure why it's not in there. However, we now we know from Revelation 20, verse 13, and Revelation 13, verses 1 through 7, why the sea actually should not be in this new heaven and the new earth. We see that in Revelation 20, verse 13, that the sea represents the separation between God and man. Not only that, but we also find in Isaiah 57 that the sea represents death and sin. And so in this new heaven and in this new earth that that John has a vision of, we see perfection, a new place not like earth. It is a new, it is made new and it is perfect because there is no sin, there is no death, and there is no separation from the Father. We continue on in verse 2. And John goes on to say, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adored for her husband. Verse 3, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be with them as their God. Notice this phrase, the dwelling place of God. This is a very important phrase because we see this term dwelling used in the Old Testament to describe the tabernacle that the Jewish people would go to to be a part of the presence of God. It's very fascinating because what John is doing is he is pointing to the faithfulness of God's presence throughout the entire Bible. And this is the presence of God that we get to look forward to in this new heaven and this new earth. God's faithfulness through the Bible is shown from the beginning all the way to the end times. And this is the hope, church family. This is the expectation that we should be putting our trust and our hope in. We continue on in verse 4 where it says, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Just like how we saw at the, at the beginning of verse 1 that the sea was no more, we found out that the sea represents death and sin. And so now we have John going into further detail as to what actually he means by death. You see, because with death, there comes mourning. With death, there, there comes crying, there comes pain, there comes suffering. With death comes grief. Like I said in the beginning of the sermon, um, my, my wife and I, we had the privilege and the, the greatest news we could possibly get this year, and that is that, that she is pregnant. And as many of y'all who, who have had kids or are going through, are about to have a kid, you, you probably have had the same thought, and that is, well, what if something happens to, to the child? What if, what if we have a miscarriage? What if there's complications during during the birth? What if something happens after the birth and all of a sudden the child is no longer with us? Those are all very hard things to to think about. 
Well, the other day, Christmas Day, my wife, we were, we were driving home to um, that back home from Christmas with my parents, and we were talking, and she asked me the question. She's like, have you ever um, thought about what happens if, if like, I had a miscarriage? And I looked at her, and I'm like, well, yeah, I thought, thought about that quite a bit. I'm, I'm nervous about that. I don't want that to happen, but that's, that's always a possibility. And she, she then went on to ask, she's like, well, what would we do if that happened? For me, that was a very hard question to ask because I would, it would be extremely sad. And so I just, I simply answered by saying, well, we would we'd go through grief. Like we would, we would grieve as, as we should. And then I told her, I'm like, well, and hopefully through that grief, we would look towards the father and be hopeful for what he has for us. After that conversation, when we, when we got home, I started thinking about it back in my head and I was internalizing it, and I thought to myself, I'm like, man, me saying that is a very easy thing to say, that we would grieve but be hopeful, yet that is a very hard thing for us to do. This year, we have seen a, a lot of death. Coronavirus has brought, has brought a lot. We've seen a lot of suffering. We've seen a lot of grieving, and we've seen a lot, a lot of things of sadness and sorrow, whether it be through social justice issues, whether it be through the virus, whether it be through the presidential race. We, we've just seen a lot happen. And my encouragement to, to all of us is that through this time, we would be hopeful for what is to come, knowing that everything that has happened is permanent and that the Lord has something better for us in store. It's so often we don't think that way. We think, I'm, I'm going to grieve and I'm going to suffer, and there's nothing else that is good for me. We, we trust more in, in the secret hope of the world rather than the revealed hope of the Father. We said again, we trust more in the secret hope in this world rather than the revealed hope of the Father, meaning that, that the secret hope are things that we cannot see. Things that we have no control over, whether it be seeking reconciliation for a relationship and seeing that happen, or whether it be the life or death for someone who's close in our family who's suffering. We just don't have control of a lot in our lives, yet we can still be hopeful for the Lord and what he has in store for us. Let's continue on in verse 5, and it says, And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. This is where it gets really good. And he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and I am the omega. I am the beginning and the end. And to the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. I know there's some of you who are watching this right now who don't have a relationship with, with the Lord don't know what it means to be a Christian or what it means to, to follow after him. And I, I think Revelation 21 verse 6 is a great explanation of what it means to, to be a Christ follower and what it means to be a Christian. When we look at the, the end of, of verse 6, we see, to the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. That phrase, without payment, is very important. There's nothing that I can do that grants me salvation. There's nothing that you can do. There are no actions. There are no works that you do that give you salvation. It is a gift from the Lord, and that's a good thing. 
It is a, a gift from the Lord. Last week, Pastor Drew, he went through John 3, verses 16 through 18, and we looked at the word believe, which is a word that's very much construed, because people think that the word believe, meaning like whenever I just believe in something, I can just know about it. Great example is I believe in God. I know what God did by creating the earth, by sending his son Jesus, by living a perfect life, and Jesus died on the cross. Like I know that stuff. But what we concluded is that word believe actually means to follow after, to cling to the Father, to obey his command in all that we do. It's repenting and believing. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Here at this church, we, we, we say the phrase a lot, circles more than rows. I think the coronavirus has definitely helped us out to see why we need community the most. Because it's in community that we can continue to grow in our walk with the Lord, and it's in community that, that people can, can check us at the door and recognize when, when we are, are in sin and need correction so that we can repent of that sin and follow after him. It is important to, to have people come alongside of you in your walk with the Lord because we get these blind spots. One of my favorite ice creams that my wife and I ate, we ate this a lot in college, was Tillamook ice cream. It's a... Uh, there's vanilla ice cream on the outer rim, and then there's fruit in the filling, and it's really, really good. If you haven't had it, you should try it. I don't know if it's here in Texas, though, but if not, maybe look for it and try it. Um, anyway, whenever we ate the ice cream, we would always just eat the fruit filling in the middle, and we would forget about the vanilla on the outside. And so often, in some ways, it's like our life. We, we are focused so much on one thing that we forget about this whole other life that we live. We have these blinders on. And that's why it's important, as, as we are thirsting for the water of life, it's important to do that with community, because within community, we can grow with other people. We can be encouraged by other people, and we can be hopeful for what the Lord has in store for those people. Let's continue on in verse 8, and when it says, the one who conquers will have this inheritance Heritage, sorry, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. When John is referring to the conquerors, what he is talking about is those who thirst, those who, who hunger after him. Now, a, b- a big thing that people believe is like once you're saved, you cannot sin, as in like there, there's no way, like once you're saved, you can't do anything wrong, and that is absolutely false. We are all sinners fallen short of the glory of God, which is why we need Jesus Christ. However, when we are saved, our goal is to recognize what we've done wrong, don't do it again, and follow after the Lord. Growing up, my, my dad, he had this phrase, you make a mistake, you learn from it, you don't do it again, and you move on. You make a mistake, you don't do it again, you learn from it, and you move on. It's a very easy thing to say and a hard thing to do, and it takes our hearts to be very introspective to do so. At the end of verse 8, we see John go on to say, but as for the cowardly, 
the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all the liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Notice how in verse 8, John brings back the lakes, the water, the sea again. See, this place that he is talking about isn't like the new heaven and the new earth. Because this place does have the sea. This place does have the death and, and the sin. And while the gospel brings hope, it also brings truth. It brings truth that those who are not thirsting for the Lord and following after him don't get to be a part in, the, in that dwelling place of God, don't get to be a part of the presence of God forever. In fact, it's the opposite. They are, for eternity, fully separated from God in a place that, that is miserable, that is full of death, that is full of sin. And for those of you who are listening and who do not have a relationship with the Father, I, I, I urge you to, to look in your heart and recognize what the Lord has done for you and the goodness that the Lord brings. Because the Lord brings a new heaven and a new earth. Not only that, but the Lord isn't going anywhere. For many of us, the coronavirus slowed down our pace of living. We, we are very fast-paced people. I'm a very fast-paced person. I like to just go, 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 and do everything I can as fast as possible. Well, in a lot of ways, busyness allows us to avoid a lot of our problems. We like the busyness. We, we like the committees. We like the, the after-school activities. We like doing things for the, with the church, which is, a, which is great. Like, we like to stay busy. However, when we, so often when we stay busy, we neglect things that we need to work on. See, the busyness blinds our eyes, and it's a method of coping with our problems. And this virus, in many ways, has caused us and forced us to navigate through a lot of issues. It's, it's forced us to look very introspective, to look at our own hearts and recognize where we have conflict with, with, with one another, or where we are struggling with, within our marriage, or where we are struggling with our, within our relationship with our boyfriend and our, and our girlfriend, or where we're struggling financially. It, it's, it's forced us to look inward, which in a lot of ways can be a very, very good thing. However, it can also be a bad thing. It can be a bad thing because when we look introspective, if we're not doing it through the lens of the gospel, through the lens of resolving the conflict and seeking reconciliation and then focusing on our eyes and our hearts and running to the Father for all that he's done, that's a good thing. However, what happens is we don't do that. We look introspective and we neglect the Father and we, we try to do it all on our own. We try to resolve conflict based off our pride, thinking that you are the one that's in the right and they are the ones in the wrong. We try to fix our financial situation by, by continually pouring, pouring money into something that shouldn't be done because you think that's going to fix it when really we're not putting our hope and our trust in the Father. And we do this in all different categories of our life. We try to find comfort and hope and trust in things other than Christ. 
We put our, our expectations in the secret hope of the world rather than running towards the Father and looking at the second coming and the revealed hope of the Father. In 1719, Isaac Watts wrote the song, Joy to the World. In the song, he wrote it based off of Genesis 3, verses 16 and 17, which is the the prophecy that God gives Adam and Eve right after they sin that talks about Jesus' coming. Not just Jesus coming through, through the birth of Mary, but also Jesus coming the second time for his bride. In, in, the, in the song, he says, he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nation prove. Church, God isn't going anywhere. He is on his throne and he is staying on his throne. And there is nothing that would stop that. We know that because his Bible says that it is done and he is the alpha and he is the omega. He is the beginning and he is the end. And there is nothing. There is no social justice issue. There is no presidential election. There is no virus that will make him go off his throne. He is there forever. He isn't going anywhere. He rules the world with truth and grace and he makes the nation prove he is there to stay and he is coming back for his bride. We can find hope and peace and comfort in that truth. The Advent season is a, is a great place and it's a great reminder for us because the Christmas season is a reminder for the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's a reminder about all that is to come. No matter what 2021 brings, let us find our hope in that. Let us run to the Father for all that he's done, knowing that we need him to grow and to thirst after him. The second coming of Jesus Christ puts us in in a posture of gratefulness and hope. This year, let us dwell in that hope together. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for your second coming, for the hope that we have in you. Knowing that no matter what happens this year, we can run to you because you are the author and the perfecter of our faith, and nothing is going to change that. God, thank you for your faithfulness when we are unfaithful. Thank you for your love and your grace that you show us daily. I pray that we would just continue to look towards you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.